name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is Lord Almighty, Emmanuel, God with us. That is the God that we lift on high. That is the God that we put on the throne above all things today. Let's sing this out together. A thousand generations. A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. It's the only one that deserves it. All who gone before us, all who will believe, will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. It's your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above them all, yes it does, all thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them
serve such a holy God who is worthy of our praise. Amen. As we continue in worship this morning, I just invite you to remember the God who keeps his promises, to remember the God who has been faithful, not just for us today, but in past time, but our generation after generation after generation. I was thinking about it earlier too. Some of you might think, I don't have a generation that's gonna go past me, but you are pouring into other generations. So you are, it's still continuing, but God is still good and his promises are enduring forever and ever. So as we sing this, I invite you to just sing this blessing over yourself. The Lord bless you and keep you. Keep our generations, keep his word alive for years and years to come. Amen. Let's sing this together. Lord bless you. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward and give you peace. Again. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon and be gracious to you. Sing it together, come on. Lord 
As we come to give to the Lord of our tithes and offerings, I'm reminded of a little scripture that I heard as a boy growing up in church, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. God says to his people, hey, I'm going to bless your fields. These are agrarians. They're out working. I'm going to bless your crops. I'm going to bless your herds. I'm going to make your work flourish. And he says, cut out 10% of that. Bring a tithe into the storehouse of God so that there might be food in my house. I'm not able to tell you the details yet. One of these days, I'll tell you the story. But just this week, we were brought into a scenario that you wouldn't even believe that something like this was happening in Colorado Springs. And there was a mountain standing in this person's way. And because the people of God at New Life Church bring their tithe into the storehouse, we were able to rebuke that mountain and cast it into the sea and see God's miraculous provision happen. I'll tell you the story one day and there will be tears in your eyes. But what I want you to know is we were able to do that at the drop of a hat. Because you all have heard God's word, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So church, thank you for living this way. Let's continue to live this way because as we do, God will keep sending more people our way to be a blessing. Can you say amen this morning, church? As we give, there's four ways you can give that's up on the screen, but let's pray over these gifts, Lord, today. We pray that these gifts would bring strength into our city. We pray that these gifts would be about feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and visiting the prisoners and seeing the sick taken care of and the elderly dignified. Lord, we pray that these gifts would go to our global partners and be a blessing to widows and orphans and, and, and the immigrants and the poor, those who are on the brink. Lord, we give, we bring, 
all of our tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food here so that we can feed those who are hungry. Lord, let these gifts be a blessing, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's continue to worship as we give. just from what we have faith for him to do, but from what we've seen him do, what we remember him do. That's why we're here this morning. Anybody glad to be in the house of God this morning? Good. We're glad you're here. Pastor Brady's bringing the word in a few moments. That's going to be awesome. Before, before we get there, before we continue, how about, you, how about you turn to the left of you and the right of you, reach across the aisle, shake a hand, hug somebody, introduce yourself. Be nice. We'll be right back in a few moments. Good morning, New Life North. I'm Christina. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Briggs. If you're new here and you're wondering what ministries New Life Church offers, you can scan the QR code or click the link below. And if you're joining us from Facebook or YouTube, let us know where you're tuning in from because we would love to say hi. It's time to lean in, grab your Bible, a pen, and a notebook, and get ready for a powerful message. Good morning, good morning. So I'm gonna do a little straw poll here just to find out who I'm talking to this morning. So I want you to cheer. Uh, when, I, when I say something that you're looking forward to about the ball game, you can cheer loud, okay? How many of you are rooting for Kansas City? Really? That's amazing. That's like half of Kansas City right here in the room with us. 
Is anyone cheering for San Francisco? What? Come on. All right. What about who's who? Taylor Swift. <laughs> All right. Who's just uh, who's looking forward to queso and commercials? That's it. That's me. That's it. That's me. I'm looking forward to queso and commercials. That's about it. All right. Hey, good to have you. Welcome to New Life, by the way. That surprises me with the 49er fans. Uh, it really surprises me. I'm like, I'm, I'm moved by it almost, you know? <laughs> Strangely disturbed. Anyway, I, I'll tell you something funny. I got a call yesterday from a guy that lives in the Deep South. He was watching the Weather Channel or something. And he said, hey, you're getting stormed on in Colorado. Are you going to cancel church tomorrow? I went, no. Like, we're Coloradans, right? We look forward to the snow. Like, I, I, I had this secret wish this morning. I was hoping they had not plowed my neighborhood because I have a four-wheel drive with some big tires on it. I wanted to get out in it. I wanted to, like, tear it up a little bit. They'd already plowed a little bit. I was kind of disappointed. So uh, good to have you. By the way, you know, at the first of the year, I ask you to come to church 40 Sundays this, this year. So if you come today, it counts as two. All right? So those of you watching online, you missed out on a double dip today, right? Welcome to all of you that are sitting in your couch with your PJs on, your cat in the lap, and so we're glad to have you as well, but the rest of us, the frozen chosen, are in the room today. So welcome. All right, turn in your Bible to John chapter 5. John 5 is an unbelievable story. I mean, you, hear, you read these stories, and maybe, this is some, maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've ever heard this story. But growing up as a kid, I just was so fascinated by this particular story about a man laying on a mat for 38 years, one place, struggling, couldn't walk, couldn't, no mobility, no friends. And all of a sudden on a day that he never imagined, Jesus shows up by the pool in Bethesda. Now I've been to this location. They've actually have done a great deal of excavation in, right, at, it's right you go through the sheep gate, just as the story says, and right inside the, the sheep gate where they used to bring the sheep in, not to be captain obvious, but there's a, there was a, there's a, about a 30 foot hole that you walk down in. And there at the bottom of that excavation is the original pools of Bethesda. I've been there a couple of times. It's really fascinating. So to give you a little history, this, this particular location was considered a sacred site, both by the Jewish people and some pagans. You know, we, they kind of shared the sacred space. They all, but they all knew that there was something special about this particular location and both groups, even though they uh, disagreed on everything else, they did agree that from time to time, miracles would happen in this spot. So I wanna dive into this text. All right, we're gonna read like 10 or 11 verses, but the, the story is really fascinating, so stay with me. John chapter five, verse one, the man by the pool says sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. I love that Jesus loved a good party, right? He never missed a party. Verse two, now there in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and is surrounded by five covered colonnades. So it's a very ornate place, a very beautiful place inside of Jerusalem. And here a great number, notice a crowd of people are, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one was there, listen to this, one was there who had been an invalid for 38 years, most of his life. And when Jesus saw him, now I want you to notice there's a crowd of people. 
scores of people. But Jesus points out one man. He sees him. I want to stop here for a moment. I just felt just strangely, the Lord just wants me to remind all of you today. You're sitting in a crowd of people, even on a snow Sunday, big crowd of people in this room. And sometimes you can sit in crowds like this and feel like no one sees you. And maybe that you don't belong. I, I just have some good news for you today. Jesus sees you. That's the power of this story. Jesus saw this man. And he, he had been in this condition a long time. And listen, listen to the question. Because he's asking us the same question today. The question that Jesus is about to ask the man lying on the mat is the same question that the Holy Spirit brings before us today for our consideration. Do you want to get well? Do you want to change? Is there something broken in your life that you are now realizing it has to change? There's something about me that I've gotten accustomed to that's outside the bounds of God's holy design for my life. That's what brokenness is. Brokenness is something that's going on inside of our lives that's outside the prescriptive boundaries of God's design. In other words, God made you one way, but you're living another. It's about as simple as I can make it. Do you want to get well? Do you want to come back into the blessing of God's design for your life? And the guy kind of dodges the question, quite honestly. I think he'd have given up on ever being normal again. So he says to him, verse seven, he says, sir, so listen, notice that he doesn't call him Jesus, doesn't call him Messiah. He doesn't know who the, who's talking to him right now. He's unaware that he's talking with God. God has shown up. God is right in front of him. But he calls him sir, not Lord, not Messiah, not teacher, not rabbi. Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I am trying to get in, some other knucklehead goes down ahead of me. Now he's complaining like he's aggravated by this people. And then Jesus says to him, he gives him three active verbs. And these are super critical for you to understand today. So let me read these to you. Jesus said to him, he gives him three actions. Get up, pick up, and walk. Would you say those with me? Because it's really important we see these three things, very distinct active verbs that Jesus tells this man. So say it with me, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Get up, pick up and walk. Very important to see this. And he does. Okay, let's skip down to verse 10. So remember the story starts out with the man by a pool with a bunch of sick people. Two verses later, he's in the temple with the people of God. And the Jewish leaders in verse 10 said to the man who'd been healed, it's the Sabbath. What are you doing? Instead of saying, hey, are you the guy that's been sick for 38 years? You just been healed. Way to go. What happened? They are now accusing him of breaking the law. I think they had kind of missed the whole point of the story, don't you think? And it says, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry the three pound mat. You're silly. But listen to this, verse 11. He says, but the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Let's pray together. Father, we, we give permission today by the power of the Holy Spirit to come into this moment that we're in and to challenge us
to change us, to convict us if necessary. But Lord, to, I pray today we'd walk out of this room, all of us in the room, all of us watching online, all who will be watching this message, months and years from now, you will use these words to change us, to do something holy in us. And we give you permission to do that. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, if you agree with any of that, would you say amen? Amen. So remember I said there's something fascinating about the book of John is that John doesn't always talk a lot about miracles. He doesn't really talk a lot about parables. He talks really about the person and the nature of Jesus. That's his big focus. But when he does talk about miracles, when he does talk about parables, there's a nuance to John that's maybe missing in some of the other gospels. And one of the things John wants us to see, he wants us to see several things, but one of the things he says is that sin is the reason misery came into this man's world. Sin is what brought sickness into this man's life. Sin is what brings misery into all of our lives. So here's what's powerful. When this man decides to put his faith and his hope, his trust in Jesus and confess his sin, when he says yes to Jesus, what he's doing is pushing misery away from him and welcoming the goodness of the Lord in your lives. Listen, this is why every day when you get up, I did it this morning, I said, come Holy Spirit. And then I just begin to pray over my day. I begin to pray over Pam and Abram and Callie. I prayed for you this morning. And what I was doing is pushing misery away from me and welcoming the goodness of the Lord near to me. And that's what prayer does. That's what confession does. And John wants us to see this. And John also wants us to see that this man was friendless, helpless, and hopeless. By his own admission, I don't have anyone to help me. I, I, I don't have anyone to be my friend. I'm, and he had lost all hope. Similar to the story that Pastor John taught last week in John chapter four, the woman at the well. Jesus finds her by herself at a well, friendless, helpless, and hopeless. And Jesus sees a man that everyone else has ignored. In John chapter four, Jesus sees a woman, a Samaritan woman that everyone else had ignored. In John chapter five, there's a man on a mat. Everyone else has ignored him and Jesus sees him. Now let's go back to that question in John chapter five, verse six, he says, do you want to get well? It's a question that I think we need to consider this morning. I think we need to give some thought and some space to that question. Because I think if we were all honest, none of us are, are complete. I think all of us in the room are broken in some ways. All of us are under repair, right? We're all going through a process of sanctification maybe. We're all going through a, a process of cleaning up some messes, building some strength, setting aside some things that have caused us to stumble. All of us are there. If that's you, would you say amen with me? So I know I'm preaching to some normal people this morning, right? That's, that's the, that is the story of the human condition. We all are broken and we all need repair. The problem is sometimes the pain of trying to get well is more severe than just accepting a new normal and staying sick. Listen, this is the first step in getting over any kind of addiction, any kind of chronic problem is admitting I need help. I need someone to help me. I need, I need help, I want to get well. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you want to get well? Because if, if, if you can answer that with just a grain of faith, a small amount of faith, 
then the Lord's about to start doing something in your life. You don't have to know how to get well. You don't need to know every step toward your wholeness. You don't need to have a grand plan figured out. The first step is saying, I'm broken. I'm a mess. I want to get well. And right away, the glories of heaven open over your life when you say that. I want to get well. I want to be better. I can't do it on my own. That's why the gospel is such good news to a marginalized people. They come empty handed. They come without anything to help themselves. And they say, Father in heaven, I want to get well. And then heaven falls down upon a group of broken people and a miracle happens. And listen to the next thing he said in verse seven. He says, I have no one to help me. Now, I, I, um, the story Daniel is telling is, I, I, I know the story and we will share the story later on, but I'm going to tell another story. A story that I've been hearing for almost 10 years now from Mary's home. Right now at Mary's home, you know, we have an apartment complex where homeless single moms with their children are living, flourishing, and thriving. And listen, last night when I went to bed in a snowstorm last night, I, I had two prayers. Lord, thank you so much that there are 18 to 20 women with their kids tucked into a warm, heated apartment with good covers and good beds under their heads tonight. Thank you that they're not in their car. Thank you that they are thriving and flourishing with plenty of food in their fridge and they are warm, safe, and healthy tonight. I said that. And I said, Father in heaven, would you give us more apartments so that more women can come off the streets? Every time there's a snowstorm at night, I pray to the Lord, Lord, give us more. We will be good stewards with it if you will give us the opportunity. For the last 10 years, this is not an exaggeration, 99% of the young women that we have helped at Mary's home have all had one thing in common. They've all said to me, 99% of them would say to me, Pastor Brady, I would have gotten out of the cycle of poverty quicker if I had had someone to ask. I just didn't have anyone to help me till I found you guys. They didn't have anyone to call. Listen, I have a daughter, she's 23. Callie will never be homeless because I, I'm here. Her mom and I will never allow her to do without, right? She has someone to call. If Callie got into a place of brokenness, if she found her place in her place of homelessness, one phone call to dad and it, it's solved, right? I am there, I am with her, I would rescue her. I would cause her to be safe. I would surround her with every resource at my disposal to make sure she flourishes. But you know that, that almost every woman who's on the streets tonight, they would get out of the cycle of poverty if they had someone to call, but their mom is gone, their dad's in jail, their relatives are scattered, to, there's just no one to call. Listen, I, I told you this story one time, that one particular woman several years ago came through the Mary's Home program. She is a, she's one of the rock stars, she's a stunning success. But her story started out locked in a closet in the, in the Northwest. I can't tell you the city, but she was locked in a closet. Her boyfriend would go to work every day, lock her in a closet and come home at night, let her out. But basically she was a sex slave. She was being trafficked there in her own home. And one morning she broke out of that closet, stole her boyfriend's car. It had a full tank of gas. She had zero dollars, but a full tank of gas. 
And the Lord, she said to me, Brady, I'm not, I wasn't even a believer, but she says, I know God said to me, go to Colorado Springs. So she gets in her car, she's a thousand miles away from Colorado Springs and she starts driving and she runs out of gas. She go, comes into a gas station and she just parked by the gas pumps and prayed. And a, a little girl, a young woman came up to her and said, are, are you okay? She goes, I'm trying to escape my boyfriend. I've run out of gas. And this young woman filled up her gas tank and bought her a sandwich and she drove another 300 miles. She said, every time I got close to being empty, I would pull into a gas station, pull up next to the gas pumps and pray. And without fail, someone would walk up to me and say, can I help you? Sometimes it was an older person, a younger person, it was all kinds of people would fill up my gas tank and buy me a sandwich. And I ended up in Colorado Springs. I ended up in Mary's home. Listen, today she has her own business. She's making $70,000 a year. She has no government support. She is volunteering in her church and raising her son. That's a true story. Now, how did that happen? Somebody bought her a sandwich. Listen, I'm not, I, I, let's not overcomplicate the issue of poverty in America. Most people who are living in poverty don't need a massive amount given to them to thrive. They just need someone to care. Listen, a sandwich and a tank of gas changed her life. She didn't get, get, she didn't get stuck in Nevada. She came to Colorado where God told her to come. And her whole life is different today because of a sandwich and a tank of gas. Just here, here's all I'm saying to you. Pay attention, keep your eyes open, be wise, don't be foolish, don't, 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 don't do foolish thing. Be, always be wise, always be careful, but always be obedient. And when you feel that nudge, and here, you know, I've heard this from a thousand people over my life. See, Pastor Brady, I just felt this nudge to like buy a burger for somebody or just silly, but it was, she said that couldn't have been God because it was so easy. It was just too little. Listen, it wasn't, it wasn't a small thing to that woman escaping her boyfriend. A sandwich saved her life. Listen, that's, that's our story. I want that to be your story, right? Listen to this. Most people stuck in the vicious cycle of abuse and poverty could escape if they had someone to help them. Listen, we've all been on the mat. I mean, this guy was surrounded by people that nobody would help him. He was in a crowd of people and nobody was offering to help him. All right, I want you to go back. I want to look at these three active commands and verbs that Jesus gives this man. And the first one is get up, get up. This is salvation language, by the way. Now I want you to put yourself in, in that man's eyes. Okay, you're, you're laying there. You've been on that mat for 38 years. You, you have muscle memory. You don't know how to walk. You've forgotten how to walk. We don't know if he's ever walked a day in his life. He may have been like that way from birth. How audacious of Jesus to say to this guy, get up. And there's an exclamation point. It's a command from Jesus. So something had to happen in that man's psyche for him to take a bit of an effort. But when he did, listen, when God speaks to us, he's not looking for you to be bold and audacious. He's just looking for you to take one tiny step toward him. Just one movement toward him. I can imagine this guy goes, okay. 
and something happened in his hamstring, his knees, his hips began to function. There was something, he, he realized something's happening and he responded and he gets up just like that because this is the moment he had to have faith. Get up. 38 years, he said, listen, dude, I've been here for 38 years and you're gonna show up one afternoon and tell me to get up. I'm sure he'd had people try to heal him before. There'd probably been people that scammed him. There's probably people that had taken advantage of him. But something was different in the eyes of this person that was telling me to get up. And he chose in his heart to have faith. Listen, this is a 2 Corinthians 5 moment. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is our story, right? My story, it's your story. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And listen, oftentimes that is instantaneous. It is like a miracle moment. Do you remember your salvation? Like when you said yes to Jesus, how much changed in an instant? Now think about it. this man had 38 years of sickness that was changed in an instant. The new has come. The old has gone. The new is here right now. This is salvation language. I gotta tell you a story, Pam and I, I've told you that when we were in our 20s, we were Abram and Callie's age. We were just kids, young adults. Married though, and for four years in a row, probably 45 of the 52 Saturdays, so I'm guessing 200 times, we were in this neighborhood on Abbey Street. We visited 20 families on a street in a very broken part of our city that was forgotten. Pam and I had made up our mind, we're gonna to get to know all 20 families. And we did. It, was, it, it changed our life. It radically changed me as a human being. But there was one guy that Pam, I don't know if Pam remembers this guy, she remembers the story, but there was a guy who would sit on his front porch and he had chronic arthritis, I mean crippling, arthritis where he had no move, his hands were gnarled and he had no function with either hand. In fact, his next door neighbor had, had to cook all of his meals because he was unable to lift a pot or a pan. He was barely able to feed himself. Sweet guy, really kind hearted, but chronically ill. He was the man on the map. So we walked up on his porch one day, I'm 23 years old. I mean, I'm maybe 24, I don't know, I wasn't very old. But I knew this story. And I said to him, have you ever heard the story about the man on the mat by the pool of Bethesda? And of course the guy had been in church like 70 years. He goes, of course I've heard the story. He was a saint, he was a godly man who was sick. And I said, listen, I know a lot of people have prayed for you over the years, but Pam and I are here right now. Would you mind if we prayed for you? He goes, well, of course, pray for me. Pray for me anytime you want. And just out of innocence, out of raw faith, I laid my hands on him and I prayed probably the most disorganized, dysfunctional prayer, made no sense to anybody but me and the Lord. I mean, I wasn't a scholar. I was 23, but I had faith and I laid my hands on him. And listen, I don't, sometimes I don't let facts stand in the way of a good story, but what I'm about to tell you is 100% true. His hand went like that and went, back to complete normal right in front of me. Just like that, boom. He, he went, oh my gosh. He didn't, he didn't even, he, he ran by me. 
off his porch to the next door neighbor, knocking on the door. And the lady who had been cooking for him came to the door. He goes, look at this, look at this. You know, I'm cooking my own lunch. I'll never forget what he said. I'm cooking my own lunch today. He's, his whole life, his countenance changed. Listen, I've never told you that story. People asked me the other day, I had someone ask me, do you still believe in miracles? I went, I listen, I've, I've been following the Lord for 37 years. I said, I've seen too many not to believe in them. Does that happen every time I pray for sick people? No, but it's happened more than once. So when I get discouraged, I pray for people, they don't get better. I, don't, I can't answer all that. I don't know why all that happens. I do know though that it's happened before and it could happen again. So I just keep praying for people. Believing, trusting, right? Don't have to, it doesn't have to work out exactly the way I want it to work out every time, but it's happened enough times for me to keep doing it. Get up! And he did. And then he said this, pick up your mat. That's a gross thing. It's like a three pound thing that he's been laying on. You can imagine what it looked like and smelled like. Why would Jesus tell him to carry his mat? Because that mat was now his testimony. See, some of you are embarrassed by your past. I'm telling you, that's the enemy. You don't need to be embarrassed by your past. Your past is your testimony. Your mess is your message, right? I mean, I have stories. We all have scar stories is what I call them. This one right here, this is a scar right here. I had a hatchet when I was 10 years old. It was very sharp. And I'm cutting firewood and I got a little close. Whack! Almost cut off my left index finger. My dad saw the blood. He thought I'd killed myself. Of course, we didn't go to the doctor. He just wrapped it up and it was fine in about two weeks. No stitches. Couldn't afford to go to the doctor. Dad's like, hey, you're either going to heal right here at the house or you just have nine fingers. But it healed. So it works good. This right here, people ask all the time. I got a really bad scar right there. They think maybe I was suicidal or something. I said, no, that was 15 years old, working at Dixie Dandy in a, in a supermarket called Dixie Dandy. And I was opening a box of green beans with a sharp blade and whack. And aisle 13 was a mess. It was a mess. My boss freaked out. It was squirt, blood squirting up. Ah, Brady, you're going to kill yourself. So I said, he wrapped it up. We didn't go to the doctor. We just wrapped it up, put a bandage on it. About two weeks later, I was fine. This is Louisiana I'm talking about, okay? So this is not a real place. It's not a real place. <laughs> but he also, I didn't get to cut open any more boxes for about a year. So I got suspended from my box cutting responsibilities. I have a scar right here that's from... 57 years ago, where a doctor saved my life. Big scar right there. I have another scar from when I was four years old. I have another scar from when I was 44 years old. Three open heart surgeries. Listen, that, that I, those are scar stories. That you got them, right? You've got the same scars. You've got the same stories. Go take up your mat. Tell people, this is what I used to be, but this is who I am. This used to be my reality. This used to be my mat. But now God has come and God did a glorious thing. Amen. And then he says, says, get up, which required faith. Take up your mat, which required him to tell a story. And then he says, walk, which required him to move. You see, he was at the same place every day, the Bible says. 
His world had become constricted and limited and small. He, he only knew one place. And listen, this is what pain does to us. In, in other prior seasons of my life, I've wrestled at times with chronic pain and that's all been taken care of now. The Lord's done good work in my body, but I know what that feels like. And when you're in chronic pain, when there's pain gripping your body, all you wanna do is turn off the lights, pull something over your head. You want everything to be quiet and your, your world gets really small. You re, some of you know what I'm talking about. When depression comes over you, anxiety, that's, that's an attempt of the enemy to limit you, to make your world smaller than it needs to be. Some of you have gone through unimaginable grief, the sudden loss of a loved one. And that when, that, when grief comes, I've been in those seasons of grief with you and I know what it feels like. Your world gets so small. And there is a time during your process of grief where your world does need to stay small. But remember, I want you to remind, remind you of Psalm 23, verse four. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not our home. Listen, the valley of the shadow of death is a spot on the map that's a part of our journey, but it's not the destination. Some of you have camped out there. And I'm asking you today to pull up stakes, to pack up your tent and walk. Move on at some point to the next thing that God has for you. So what is it, how do I do that, Pastor Brady? Well, meet someone new. Eat something new. Go somewhere new. Talk to someone new. Expand your horizons a bit. Do not let the enemy keep you in a confined space and make your world smaller than it's supposed to be. Jesus says to him, go now and walk. Pain keeps us in a prison. Grief, hurt, and trauma are all the things that keep us in a small space. And this morning, I'm grateful that we receive communion by getting out of our seats. So I want you to stand with me this morning. I want, I'm going to pray over you. Pray the Lord to bless you today. We just sang that song, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. And I think the most important part of that song today as we were singing that song is, and I got emotional when I was singing it, is he is for me. He is for me. He is for you. Can we, do you believe that? Sometimes you gotta sing it until you believe it, right? You know it's true, you know God is for you. But when you're in pain, when you're in grief, when you're in some kind of trauma, it doesn't feel like that God is for you. But it's in that moment where you have to sing it until it becomes your reality. I want those of you who serve at the Lord's table to come on down and be ready. If you're new today, if this is your first time ever to come to New Life Church, the way we receive the Lord's table is we get out of our seat and we walk down, we take the cup and the bread in our hands, go back to where you're seated, and we're gonna worship together. And then in just a moment, Pastor Daniel's gonna come forward. But I want you to do something different today. As you're walking forward, would you ask the Lord, Father in heaven, where have I allowed the enemy to limit me? Where have I allowed the enemy to restrict me? And where should I be walking today that you want me to walk? What space should I be walking toward? What person should I be walking toward? 
What opportunities in front of me that I need to take a step of faith today and go forward? Get up, take up your mat and walk. Can I pray that over you today? All three of those things over all of us. The Father in heaven, here we are. Your people, your children. And we know that you're for us. You're with us. And we are so grateful. And Lord, some of us are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. That's a real thing. And none of us are here to minimize pain. None of us are here to reduce that experience down to nothing. Pain is real, grief is real, trauma is real, we know that. But Lord, I pray we would keep moving today. I pray we would keep walking. I pray that we would not become isolated to our own detriment. I pray today that we would get up by faith, take up our mat and tell our story and walk toward the goodness of the Lord. And I pray that over everyone watching online all of us in this room today, we receive that promise that you're walking with us as our good shepherd. You're right in front of us, leading away. And we can trust you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come to the table, Lord. Come, take the bread and the cup. Go back to where you're seated. Let's worship together. And Pastor Daniel will come in just a moment.
John 5, verse 7. The man's on his mat. And Jesus goes, do you want to be well? In verse 7, he says, sir, I have no one to help me. And when the waters are stirred, someone races down in front of me and I'm at the back of the line and I'm having to hit the reset button. I'm here to say to you today, Jesus is here to help you. <laughs> sir, I have no one to help me. Jesus, I'm, hello, I'm here, I've, I came to you. And so today at the table of the Lord, I wanna ask you, where do you need the help of Jesus? Sometimes we just need to name it, we need to say it. Jesus, I need help in that relationship. Jesus, I need help in my body, my body's breaking down. I'm, I'm in so much pain. Jesus, I need help. Mental health is just, I'm in a crisis right now. Jesus, I need financial help. Jesus, I need my marriage restored. Can you close your eyes right now and just take 60 seconds with Jesus? and begin to tell him. He knows, but he wants to hear from you. Tell him where you need help today. Tell him who you're praying for today. Tell him what you're praying for today. Jesus, hear the cry of your people. All of us have been on the mat. All of us have needed your salvation. All of us have needed you to raise us up and to strengthen us and send us on our way. And so Jesus, we're asking for you to do that today. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Friends, today the good news of the gospel is that God in Christ Jesus is for us. You may receive the bread today. What about the mistakes? What about the sin? What about the past? What about our foolishness? What about the times where we threw it away? Jesus comes today, he says, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. And as often as you do this, remember me, friends, I'm here to tell you God is not mad at you. God is for you. The psalmist said, if you, O Lord, kept the record of sins, who could stand? But what I'm saying today is Jesus says your sins have been forgiven you. If you believe in Jesus, you are clean. Let's drink up to our salvation today. Let's sing this, the God who was and is to come. Let's worship our way out of here. Come on. The power of the
Sing, oh precious. Oh precious is Some of you are going to believe that again today for the first time. You're clean. No other found. Now, can you lift your hands today to receive the blessing? King Jesus, have your way. King Jesus, strengthen us today. Hear the words of the Lord one last time. Get up. Take up your mat. Tell your story. And walk away into the new life he has for you today. I pray may the Lord our God bless you. And may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you his shalom, his peace today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said... Can we give God thanks for what he's done here today? What a morning in the house of God. A couple things before you go make your chicken wings and queso and chips and all that. Hang on. We got the prayer team coming down. If you have any prayer needs, please swing down to the front. If you're new, come see us at Connect Central in the lobby. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.